Hello, I'm Quinn. And I'm Alex. And we're A, a Couple, couple of, of characters. characters. We discuss topics related to creating characters for role-playing games. What are we talking about today, Alex? I don't know how to put it other than disabilities. Yeah, yeah. So July is Disability Pride Month, which is when we're recording this. Yeah, this is going to come out in August, but it is currently July. Time yeah. travel. Yeah. Ooh. Or maybe you're listening to this in July 2023 or July 2078. But Who either knows? way, now it might be July. Yeah. We, we don't know when you're listening to this, but the first time you'll be able to listen to this is August of 2022. Anyways, disabilities are still so incredibly stigmatized, so we wanted to talk about them more to normalize them and share some of the challenges faced by those with disabilities. For example, I saw a great post by Mary Fashik of Upgrade Accessibility on Instagram that showed how companies are all about LGBTQIA plus pride during June, slapping rainbows everywhere, but completely ignore Disability Pride Month. Mm. Yeah. So, Not like, she had, like, a thing where, like, she was wearing, like, a rainbow shirt, and there were, like, rainbows, like, in the background, and then, like, it goes to July, and then it's just black. Just nothing. Mm. Yeah, it's not ideal. So, yeah, I'm excited to share a little bit more about, you know, the history of Disability Pride Month with the listeners. Yeah, let's get into it. But first, it's time for Random Encounter. This is a segment where we briefly talk about characters we've encountered outside of RPGs, like in TV, movies, books, etc. Alex, do you have a character you'd like to talk about today? I do, and her name is Primrose, and she's from the book A Spindle Splintered by Alex E. Harrow. Harrow, but yes, go on. I've heard it both ways. Mm. Um, so the book takes place, it centers on, um, I'm blanking on the main character's name, so Zinnia. Zinnia. Nailed it. You know, another flower. I did not know. She said that in the book, if you didn't know beforehand, but I did know beforehand. But okay, that's fine. I was reading the book very carefully, painstakingly. <laughs> every single word was analyzed to a degree. It took me 38 hours to read the Which novella. Which is impressive, yeah, because it was only not even three hours. Yeah. Anyway, Primrose is a kind of your Sleeping Beauty archetype of Aurora from Sleeping Beauty. Mm-hmm, Think of that. Mm-hmm. But then, as we, the book goes on, we find that she's kind of fierce, she's pretty brave, and, like, there's a lot more depth to her than, like, the Sleeping Beauty character. So that is what I liked about Primrose. Yeah, she just kept surprising you. You'd think, like, oh, she isn't really doing anything or whatever, but then she'd, like, mild spoiler, would, like, whip a dagger out. And you're like, what? what? Where did you get that? Why do you have that? Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed when she pulled that out from yeah. under her mattress and yeah. the main character is like double take. Yeah. What? <laughs> and what character do you have for us, Quinn? Today I've brought Garlic from Garlic and the Vampire by Brie Paulson. This graphic novel is so, so cute. Like I cannot stress enough how adorable it is. Um, the book centers on Garlic, an animated anthropomorphic head of Garlic. She and the other fruit and veggie folk were created by the witch Agnes to help her with her garden. And they, like, go and every day help with, like, the farmer's market that they have, selling their wares. And it's super, just so cute. And then one day a vampire moves into a nearby castle. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. And she is tasked with confronting him because, you know, vampires hate garlic. And I just loved how cute she was. And she's very anxious and scared that she's not going to be good enough to help her friends. And I just related to her anxiety a lot. Yeah. 
Well, I'm glad, like with that, you brought a character with a disability to our show on yes. disabilities. Yes. Nailed it. Yes, I did. I did not. But there is a character with a disability. In the book. Chronic illness more so. Yeah. In, yeah, in your book. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the main character has a chronic illness. Yes. So we nailed it. Nailed it. Now All right. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was going to lead you into what you were about to say. Yeah, now. Go for it. Yeah, now. Th- <laughs> uh, Quinn, whenever you're ready. Yeah, let me just. <laughs> whenever you're good, go for it. <laughs> Fire away. We're all waiting. Now that the encounter is over, I thought we could start the episode off by giving the history of Disability Pride Month and then you know, lead into some facts and statistics about disabilities. That'd be great because I don't know the history of it. Well, I'll tell you what. I've learned a lot in the very recent past about Disability Pride Month. So it is celebrated in July because on July 26, 1990, President George H.W. Bush signed the Americans with Disabilities Act, or ADA, into law. And the ADA prohibits discrimination based on disability, and its intent is to afford protections against discrimination similar to those that are outlined in the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Okay. I didn't know that it was in July, but I knew it was 1990. Yes. However, it also requires that covered employers provide reasonable accommodations to employees with disabilities and that public accommodations be accessible. It's like this is where elevators, wheelchair ramps, automatic door buttons, and curb cuts would come in. Mm -hmm. Like those things are required. Yeah. Um, The ADA was finally passed after the demonstration on March 12th, 1990, where over a thousand people marched from the White House to the U.S. Capitol to demand Congress to pass it. And when they arrived, about 60 activists, including eight-year-old Jennifer Keelan Chappins, physically demonstrated the inaccessibility of public spaces by getting out of their wheelchairs or setting aside their mobility aids and crawling up the Capitol steps. And this act of civil disobedience later became known as the Capitol Crawl. Okay. Yeah. And the purpose of Disability Pride Month is to celebrate people with disabilities, their identities and culture, and their contributions to society. Its goal is to change the way people think about and define disability and the stigma of disability and promote the belief that disability is a natural part of human diversity in which we should take pride. It also seeks to promote uh, the social model of disability, which identifies systemic barriers, derogatory attitudes, and social exclusion, which make life difficult or impossible for people with disabilities. And this directly opposes the outdated and dominant medical model of disability, which purports that disabilities need to be fixed in order to conform with normative values. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, not much to joke about over here, you know? No. On my, on my side of the mic. No, it's it's some serious stuff, but it's important to talk about. Yeah. Um, and there's even a disability pride flag, which I just learned about. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, created by Anne McGill in 2019. And is, it, is it a person on the left or doing a backflip? Unfortunately, that's not. That's <laughs> That does sound pretty cool. Oh, and she redesigned it in 2021 with more muted colors to be more visually safe for people with epilepsy. Okay. Because, like, the first one had, like, a zigzag design and, like, the colors were really vibrant, so it, it would be overwhelming. It. and Yeah. Um, and the design features elements that each symbolize different aspects of the disability experience. And before I tell you what all of those elements mean, I'll give a quick description of the flag. It's charcoal gray slash black flag. Um, bisected diagonally from top the top left corner to the lower right corner by five parallel stripes in the following colors from left to right. Red, right. pale gold, pale gray slash white, light blue, and green. 
Now, the reason I say slash is because, like, the original symbols were different, like, mm-hmm. the other colors, but they, as I said, changed the more muted colors. Sure. All right, so back to the symbolism. The flag contains all six standard flag colors, as in, like, all the ones you'd find in countries' flags. And, like, you know, kind mm-hmm. of the reason that, like, the Olympic rings are the colors that they are. Yeah. Um, and that shows that disability spans the borders between states and nations. The black field or background represents our mourning for victims of ableist violence and abuse. Mm. The diagonal band of stripes symbolizes us cutting across the walls and barriers that separate the disabled from society. The red stripe represents physical disabilities. The gold stripe represents neurodivergent. White stripe represents invisible and undiagnosed disabilities. The blue stripe represents psychiatric disabilities. And finally, the green stripe represents sensory disabilities. Okay. And you can check out the Disability Pride Toolkit from the National Council on Independent Living in our show notes for more resources on intersectionality, representation, ableism, and the history of disability rights. Sounds great. All right. Now into some facts. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to the part where you're talking more in, in, in a oh, couple that's minutes. Fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. The listeners might be concerned. Don't worry. Alex is here, and he'll get his time to shine. Yes, I am. As the listeners may know, I do have a disability. So Yes. This is very important to us because of that, as well as, you know, it's just important to represent people that, you know, every every person is worthwhile. Yes. And just because you have a neurodivergence or disability or whatever it might be, or, you know, a different skin color... Everyone's valuable. Yes. People with disabilities make up 15% of the world's population and are the largest and most diverse minority in the U.S., comprising about 26% of the population. So that's like 61 million people. With people representing all ages, races, ethnicities, genders, sexual orientations, religions, and socioeconomic backgrounds. And here's some percentages of adults with different types of disabilities. Mm-hmm. 13.7%. So these are all the percentages of people with disabilities so within that group. Is this in the U.S. or I think it's within nation. the U.S. Okay. I couldn't get <laughs> I exactly. or within the nation. I meant world. Yeah. From The site I was getting it from was like is a U.S.-based site, <laughs> and it was like seemed a lot of facts about people in the U.S. So I think these are in the U.S. Right, but uh, the, the U.S. is large enough that these numbers are probably fairly representative of larger groups. Probably, yes. 13.7% have a mobility disability with serious difficulty walking or climbing stairs. 10.8% have a cognition disability with serious difficulty concentrating, remembering, or making decisions. 6.8% have an independent living disability with difficulty doing errands alone. are deaf or hard of hearing. 4.6% have a vision disability with like blindness or other visual impairment, even having difficulty seeing while wearing glasses. Mm -hmm. And 3.6% have a self-care disability with difficulty dressing or bathing. So that's the end of my little fact thing, but I also have um, a list of more facts, especially about people within the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, from the CDC that I'll, I'll link in the show notes. Okay. 
Also, I think that the thing you said about visual impairments and blindness, because I know a little bit more, because that is my disability, Mm -hmm. is I know that, like, you know, most people, when you think of someone that's legally blind or, you know, just blind in general, they think, oh, you can't see anything. But I think, well, this is the number I got when I went blind, like, you know, over 10 years ago. So I'm not sure how accurate it was then or it is now, but it was something like, you know, 80% of people that are legally blind can see something. Yeah. And only like, you know, less than 20% are actually like only see pitch black. Yeah. So visual impairment is like, or legally blind is basically defined as like, oh, your vision is worse than 20 slash, I don't know, I think it's 400 with corrective lenses. Yeah. So even with glasses, your vision has to be bad. So if you're like, oh, I'm blind when I take my glasses off, well, that may be true, but you're not legally blind because you can still correct it. Yeah. And I think that's another important point about, like, people will, like, be like, oh, accessibility things, like, oh, they're, like, taking the time to, like, do that. And think about how many people wear glasses and that is an accessibility tool. It sure is, yeah. <laughs> like, it makes it so that you can see and do things that you normally wouldn't be able to do. Mm-hmm. So that's really what, like, the whole goal is that, like... Yeah, and so many, like, things that give accessibility are helping more than people with disabilities. Like, think about, you know, automatic doors or elevators. Oh, when you're moving into a place or if you are bringing groceries home, aren't you appreciative of the elevator or the automatic door at that point? Or if you had a baby and a stroller or something? Yeah. Or, like, you know, you're carrying a bunch of stuff. A lot of people take advantages of these things that help people with disabilities and are just, like, kind of take them for granted at this point. Yeah. Like curb cuts, you know, a thing... That is where the curb slopes down so that people in wheelchairs can access the curbs, Mm -hmm. you know? But people riding bikes use them, like skateboarders, people on Razor scooters, whatever it might be. Yeah. I don't know. Wait, are the kids still using Razor scooters these days? Probably. What year is it? (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, yeah, all these things are helping other people as well. Yeah. Like, here, I'll give another example. Audiobooks. Oh, yeah. Like... Probably originally, probably originally made for, like, the, the recorded books. People that can't blind. Or <laughs> that can't blind. People that can blind is what I meant to say, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, people that are blind. Yeah, but you can use them if you have trouble. Like, maybe you have, this is another way that it's an accessibility tool. Like, if you have dyslexia and it's hard for you to read the physical page, you can listen to it that way. Or if you want to read a book while you're doing your dishes or going for a walk or, or driving. Yeah, I was going to say car, like uh, your daily commute or yeah. on road trips. I know a lot of people will read audiobooks on road trips. And it's like, well, you're welcome. <laughs> That's uh, people with visual impairments that helped you probably get that. I know it's like it's, and it's a lot of these things aren't revolutionary ideas, right? Like. We should make the curb slope down so that it's easier for people to use. Yeah, you probably should. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, things like elevators. Like, oh, this helps us get up many flights of stairs. It also helps the person in the wheelchair get up many flights of stairs. But, you know, again, 
these things aren't necessarily revolutionary. Anyway, we can keep ranting for hours. So let's <laughs> keep let's move on, or we'll never leave. We'll never leave. So you've already kind of talked about this, but I do want to like ask you some questions about like your own experience, since I do think the listeners would benefit from hearing you know sure. about it. Um, so everyone who has a disability has a different experience, but could you describe your own disability? It's like you kind of talked about how like blindness slash visual impairment, like that works. Right, so that's in general. And my visual impairment is like the ones that I described where I can see a lot more than people typically expect when they see my white game with the red end. And I believe there is like significance to the white cane, but maybe we'll do that on another episode in the future, maybe next July or something. But anyway, um, yeah, the so when I use a cane when I walk outside, it's so that I can identify things like curbs, ramps, um, street poles, you know, those concrete barriers, all that kind of stuff, or people if they get in my way. <laughs> But, yeah, um, I can see kind of a lot. It's kind of like opening your eyes underwater is what I described, but things don't get more clear the closer you are. So it's like it's just always blurry. Mm-hmm. But that is kind of my experience. And so when I get to a building that I'm familiar with, I can walk around without my cane because I'm like, oh, I know where things are. I can see enough in this blur to tell that someone left their chair out or whatever yeah and also like if you're familiar with like the like the flatness yeah and the layout or whatever it might be yeah because a lot of times the things that i can't see well are things that blur together because it's like i'm underwater when you know colors blur together yeah so things like stairs or curbs are sometimes hard for me to see so that's why i'm like oh when i'm outside i'll use this game but if i'm in a building that i know is flat I can probably, even if I get to a stairwell, I can still do it if I know it's a stairwell, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'll just be a little slower when I start at the top or whatever because I had to, like, feel the first step and then I just go down normal. Yeah, but But, I'll say that that it also is helpful if it is the standard height of stairs because there are, (laughs) like... I'm pretty sure there is, like, a building standard for stairs and sometimes they don't follow that. And then it'll trip you up. Yeah. Or if there isn't a banister. Oh, yeah. Railing. Well, that's another issue. Which is another thing that should always be. But, yeah. That's because my balance is bad, which is only somewhat related to my blindness. It's related to other issues I have. We'll get into that some other time. But, yeah, that's kind of my disability in a quick minute. Yeah. So what are some ways you've adapted since becoming visually impaired? Great question. So mainly everything that I do is vis-a-vis technology. Mm-hmm. So a lot of technology like cell phones and laptops, you can put things on there called screen readers that will literally just read the screen. And there's a lot of like commands and stuff that you learn to navigate them more easily so you're not just necessarily reading every part of every single screen. Um, sometimes you are if it's set up poorly, mm-hmm. but a lot of times you can navigate a little more easily like websites. You can jump to headings and that helps and stuff. So I use a lot of technology and then I use a white cane, as I mentioned, to get around outside. I can read Braille, which is helpful mainly when I'm like going to bathrooms at restaurants or, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or if I'm at the drive up ATM. 
whatever it might be. Yeah. Because <laughs> those do have Braille. <laughs> yes, they do have Braille. But it's probably because they just make a standard I know. Thing. I know why, Quinn, but it's funny that it, is funny. it has Braille. Yeah. So, anyway, I had to make that joke. <laughs> but, yeah, that is um, kind of the accommodations I mostly use. And, like, you know, I went to adjustment to blindness training, which is a thing that exists. So, mm-hmm. I had lost my set when I was 18. And I went to the school for, I think it was 10 months or something. It was between six and ten months. Mm-hmm. But I learned um, things like how to read Braille, how to use technology with, like, screen readers and other technology, um, how to type with Braille, because there's a way that you can write Braille with, like, a typewriter-type device called a Perkins Brailler. Mm-hmm. Very heavy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, there are cheaper ones that are made of plastic that suck. You got to get the metal one. The metal ones are good. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, let's see. What, oh, what else would I learn at the school? How I, to cook. I, yeah, I did. Well, I was like how to get, cook safely. Yeah, so at first I did orientation and mobility. That's using the white cane to travel. So it included, because we were in the Twin Cities at the time, I l- started out just walking down a straight hallway in the building and advanced to walking down hallways that were curved at, like, the U of M in the underground part. Mm-hmm. And then it advanced to, oh, walking on street sidewalks and then going to busier streets. And then going. it ended with my teacher would say, okay, here's the address of a coffee shop downtown. I'll meet you there. And then I would ride a bus or whatever and navigate to this coffee shop. So that was orientation and mobility. Then, yeah, as you said, there's a cooking class where they taught you techniques to cook safely and, like, measure ingredients and stuff and different types of tricks. There's also a home ec type of class for, like, cleaning to make sure that you can clean things properly. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's also, finally, a wood shop to build confidence there. And everyone started off by building a birdhouse, Mm -hmm. which is literally you just, like, it was all pre-cut wood and you just nailed it together. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then once you built that, you could pick whatever sort of project you wanted. And I built a coffee table. I built a laptop, like, um, like a stand. No, it was like a. It was kind of like a desk. So the two like legs folded underneath so oh. that you could put it away. Yeah. And then they folded out so that you could put it over your lap and set your laptop on it. A little lap desk. Yeah. Okay. And then I built a gliding rocking chair. It was like my, that took a long time. Yeah. But that was like my big project. And I used like, you know, table saws and laves and drill presses, all that stuff. Because they teach you how to do it safely. And it's like, yeah, blind people can do a lot more than you would expect. Right. Basically everything but drive. (laughs) Yes. Well, I think that was really, really helpful for even me because I didn't know all the details I knew uh, quite a few things that you learned but I didn't know yeah yeah uh what do we got next what's the next question all right so we mentioned the ADA which guarantees the rights of people with disabilities but I think you should talk about some of the barriers you have encountered in the workforce and other areas like ride shares and websites etc okay yeah we can do that so (laughs) (laughs) yeah I sound so pumped (laughs) So, one, I want to tell a quick anecdote, which I think will demonstrate to the people listening that this is a problem still, despite the ADA, mm-hmm. and people are kind of, 
Um, well, I was gonna be, I was gonna curse, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say dumb butts is what I'm gonna say. Um, and so there for the jury, the graduate requisite exam, I believe is what that stands for. It's the test you take to get into grad school after you finish undergraduate school. You know? Yeah. Yeah, you know what it is. They know what it is. Yeah, now. yeah. Anyway, the GRE, I had to sign up to take it because I wanted to go to graduate school. And one of the things that I wanted to do was get accommodation so I could take the test because, you know, it's a paper test with pen and paper and I can't read the paper or, you know, mark the appropriate part on the yeah. <laughs> paper where I put my answers. Right. So I tried to sign up to get accommodations and I had a the person at uh, our undergraduate school that was in the accommodations office, like, helping me. And we found that to get accommodations, you had to fill out a form, which is fine. Yeah, go ahead, direct me to the form. This form had to be filled out by hand mm. with paper. So you had to print it out, fill it out, and then scan it and send it back. Guess who needs to fill out this form? Every single person that's blind that wants to take this test. Yeah. Guess who can't fill out this form once they print it out? <laughs> Every single person that's blind because I want to take this test. And this is like the, I was like, wow, how is this a thing? So the accommodations office um, person and I, like, she helped me fill it out and everything. And so I was able to do it. But I'm like, we need to, like, you know, somehow contact them. And I think she sent, like, a complaint in. But I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, because this was, was, like, what, 2013? Yeah, that was 2013. Maybe 2012. Yeah, but, it was yeah. it was in that time frame, but it was this, ridiculous. The, within the last decade. Yeah, and that's, you know, a thing that it's just, I think it's a lot of times common for people without disabilities or that don't interact with people with disabilities a lot to not think about that sort of thing, which is okay. But if you're designing a thing where you're literally, okay, I feel, but I feel like this case, especially... Yeah. If you're building a thing that like, oh, this person might need accommodations for the test, we'll just make them do that by hand. But you don't think the next logical step of, wait, what if some of them need accommodations because they can't do things by hand? It's like they kept their old system from like before computers and just like input it in and just like, yeah, we'll just upload it and that'll be fine, whatever. And it's like, we have the technology to make yeah. it so that people can be independent. Even if it was Let's a do Word it. document. That's because what I'm, I'm saying. Like, literally, yeah. you have it on the computer because yeah. I can print it out. Yeah. Just make it a Word document. I can edit that and yeah. send it to you. And yeah. it's like, that's close enough. Yeah. Anyway, that was one of the, like, that's just like glaring error, you know. So that is kind of a thing that is not uncommon to come across as a visually impaired person. Yeah. I, th I don't think I need to really say much else because I think that story really encapsulates I, th I think it, the... it's it's a perfect example. Yeah. Though one other example that I that still enrages me was when you were trying to find a job uh, during your like gap year. Oh yeah. And he, he applied to be a math tutor, which he had done successfully at. Our undergrad. Yeah. yeah, I literally worked in the Math Resource Center tutoring people yeah. for like two or three years. Yeah, which is how we met. And he applies or whatever, and he goes in, and the lady's like, well, I don't know how you're going to be able to do that. And it's like, well, it I've been... It was a guy. 
oh, this is a guy. Okay, yeah. whatever. The person was like, I don't, I don't know how you're going to be able to do that. And it's like, I've been doing this for years. Like, you just need to give me some accommodations. Which is, by the way, by the ADA, is illegal that he said that. Right. Because it literally, I was like, oh, I don't want to deal with, like, a prolonged legal battle. But literally, you just discriminated against me because you don't understand how I can accomplish things that I accomplish on a daily basis. Yes. You know? Yes. So. So that's why I wanted to share that story. Like, that is literally, like, if... Like, don't ever say that to someone. Be yeah. like, okay, how can I accommodate you? Yeah. Like, help me understand how we can make this work. That would have been a better thing for him to say. Yeah. And I could have, like, helped explain, oh, well, I use screen readers and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Instead of being like, you can't do this because you are blind. Yeah. So, anyway, that, yeah, that one, that one, I don't like to think about that one because that guy, ugh. Anyway. Don't be like that guy. Yeah. I think a lot of people with visual impairments actually have trouble finding jobs for similar reasons because yeah. they don't, the normal people that can see and are living their lives with sight don't understand that it's pretty easy to actually make, with technology today, it's pretty easy to make a lot of things accessible for people with visual impairments. Yes. Again, if I apply to be a truck driver, you go ahead and say, I don't think you can accomplish this job. Yes, this one I cannot provide reasonable accommodations for. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to buy you a Tesla. (laughs) Sorry. And I'll be like, ah, dang it. That's why I wanted this job. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's go to a more more positive thing. So we need to see more positive representations of people with disabilities. It's like a lot of times in the media, we see that people with disabilities are sad and have terrible lives Mm -hmm. and we should pity them or they should be cured or fixed or they're inspirational and heroes and we should uphold them as shining beacons because we just can't imagine what we would do in that situation. Yep. Those are kind of the reactions I get. (laughs) Yeah. So these are harmful stereotypes. Yeah. Don't do those things. (laughs) So what are some of your favorite positive and or accurate depictions of disability in the media uh, that's one i had a hard time trying to think of mm-hmm. because there's a lot of negative representation yes there um, is so i guess i'll take one that maybe you were going to use i'm not sure idea also have ideas oh i wasn't going to well i, c- I can bring some that okay, i've already talked about, about i already have them but All I'll, right. I'll bring them back so I think the one I'm thinking of first is Cinder from the book Cinder by mm-hmm. Marissa Meyer. Mm-hmm. She has a prosthetic hand and foot, and it's it's a sci-fi world, so she's more cyborg than, like, you know, amputee or whatever. But she still is dealing with them and, you know, everything around them. And I think it's a positive representation because, again, she's not just a girl with a missing hand and foot. She is... A fully developed character that also has a missing hand and foot. Yeah, because, like, disabilities shouldn't be your only, like, defining factor if, like, you're depicting someone with that. Yeah, we talked about this with Perry on our episode where we made Toad. Yeah, like, the disability will definitely affect your life and will influence how you interact with the world, but it isn't your identity. Like, it isn't your only thing in your identity. I will mention one other one that is relevant because I'm currently reading this book. Mm-hmm. It's also by Marissa Meyer. <laughs> so yeah. she's crushing it. And this is the book of Renegades. 
and one of the superheroes, it's like a superhero story. Mm-hmm. And one of the superheroes is smoke screen, and he like can manipulate smoke and like make big clouds of smoke and stuff, and like make darts out of smoke. Yeah. And he uses a cane because he had like a, he called it like a bone condition or something. So he has like weak bones. Um, okay. It's not really a. I don't. I don't think it's a real. I mean, maybe it is. I don't know. But anyway, it's just like he walks with a cane, just like one cane. Because he gets tired mm-hmm. and stuff. And I think that it's represented well because, again, it's not his only, like, thing. He's not just a person with a cane that, you know, he's also a superhero and everything else. So, anyway. Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of rambling at this point. Do you have any <laughs> Okay, examples? so I've, I've got three examples. And these are, like, mental disabilities. Oh, I didn't think about those. Go ahead. So, um, also from the... The Lunar Chronicles by Marissa Meyer is Cress, and she was uh, alone in, like, a satellite, basically, like, by herself for mm-hmm. a really long time. So she has, like, a lot of anxiety and severe agoraphobia, and I thought that was represented really well. Like, when they're in a crowd with a bunch of people, like, she starts having, like, a panic attack. Yep. And then some other great depictions about, like, anxiety and depression are um, Queenie by Candace Cardi Williams and the, the main character Queenie and also I'm blanking on the main character's name but it's the sixth book it's While We Were Dating by Jasmine Guillory and the the woman protagonist in that book has severe anxiety and has panic attacks and I thought those were really accurate representations of someone with anxiety and depression I thought of one more okay um, I think I also brought this character as one of my random encounters, but The Maid by Nita mm, Prose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the main character has neurodivergence and is, like, pretty autistic and doesn't really understand people's facial cues or that kind of thing. Um, Mary, is that her name? Mary the Maid? I have no idea. I haven't read this book it's, yet. Oh, Molly. Molly okay. is her name. Okay, so yeah, Molly is the main character, and she has neurodivergence, and I think it's represented pretty well. Again, I don't have neurodivergence, so I can't speak to that and how well it's represented, but I felt like it was a good representation. Yeah. All right, what's our next question? All right, we should move back to Dungeons & Dragons, since yes. you know, it's, our, it's our whole focus, the main focus of our show. How did you get into D&D? All right, so this is a funny story, I think. Yeah. So my friend Toby um, invited me to a Facebook group that was called Astra DD 5E Campaign. And I thought, what does this even mean? <laughs> because I didn't know what Astra was. I didn't know what DD was. Because he didn't put DND. He put just DD. And also, and this, was, this was late 2014, so it wasn't... Yeah, it was... Not like as before mainstream. Before 5e popped off, really popular. Yeah. And so I messaged him. I'm like, what is this? He goes, oh, it's a D&D game that you're going to play. And I was like, oh, all right. I'll try it. So he sent me the PDF of the player's handbook, and then I started reading it the best I could. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yep. And then I um, started playing, and I've been hooked ever since. And I, after playing a couple of sessions, I was like, Quinn, you got to try this. It's fun. And Quinn, I think, was a little skeptical, but she did it. And I was like, there's a lot of rules. Like, this this is a big, beefy book. It is. But then we got her hooked, people. 
Hooked on Dragons. Hooked on Phoenix. That's a good fantasy band name. Yeah. Anyway. Hooked uh, on what Phoenix? were we talking about? Oh, yeah. yeah. Heck yeah. yeah, that's great. Hooked on Phoenix. You're running that down? Yeah, it what might be the name of the episode. Okay. Well, I just said it. I was offhand. I don't know. That should be a... Best, best names of episodes are usually offhand. <laughs> okay. All right. So, yeah, that is kind of my origin story. It was pretty brief, but we're going a little long, so I'm going to, you know, try to be quick with some of these. So what's our next question? All right. So what are some accommodations you use to play games? Okay. So a lot of times what I'll do for games, well, in particular D&D, we'll talk about that first. I've made a character sheet, like just kind of on a text pad on my computer. So I use my laptop for my character sheet and I just because I can type way faster with a keyboard than I can on my phone. Yeah. And so I'll just type like, because I like to pick random crap up is the main <laughs> issue. A lot of the apps that they have are not that bad. I, I've used the Fight Club 5 app for iPhone and that one worked fairly well. It's kind of a pain at the beginning because you have to manually import a lot of info because yeah. their app is kind of crappy at actually having things that they should. <laughs> Like, you know, if you click feet, th- there's th- one feet. Maybe th- now it's better. I think the problem was that they were going based off of what was in, like, the open source thing. Oh, okay. And there that isn't as much sense. stuff. So now it's probably better because they had the PHP is all open source, right? Uh, no. But a lot of it is. Okay, anyway. Most of it is. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So I've used that app, which is not that bad. Mm-hmm. I've used my own character sheet. Um, I've basically written my own player's handbook by, you know, opening a PDF and converting it to TXT files that are accessible because the PDF, there's a lot of pictures in there that mess things up. And when you convert PDFs, um, they sometimes mess up like double Fs or the die will be like LDO instead of like, or I guess LDLO instead of 1D10. Yeah. That kind of crap. So I've fixed a lot of that kind of stuff in my own version. I basically like have my own version of all the books. So, and I've gotten some of these from sources on the internet that we won't mention because we're not endorsing them. We're just saying that they might exist mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that I might have used some of them. Yeah. I also have bought Braille dice, other 3D printed dice, where the pips have the letters in Braille from one or I guess eight T. And so that tells you what, like, number you've rolled. And then there's a dash side. One of the three sides will be dash so that you know where the bottom is. And that's for a D20. Yeah. And a lot of the other dice are similar. The D4, it looks like a, like a kind of a log from, like, a Lincoln log set is what I picture. Because it's, like, a little cylinder with rounded edges. And that just has the numbers one through four. Yeah. And then the D6 is a that you use as a tactile die. Yeah, I believe they probably sell Braille once, but I my dad got me a set of like six tactile die, and I did lose at least one. But I still have at least four. You have like five of them. It's cool. It's I might have seven. I think I, that he gave me eight, and I have seven left. Anyway. But yeah, so those are just raised pips, and the number of pips on it is... Um, yeah. How what what number it is? Yeah, it the just only... it looks like a D six, but you can feel yeah. the numbers. The only problem with them is they aren't necessarily fair 
Yeah, they aren't necessarily like evenly weighted because we don't know what the inside of the dial looks like, but I tend to roll more ones than 20s. <laughs> Which makes sense because a one is just, just an one A. Tip. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the 20 it has four. Yeah. So 17 it's is actually the least likely, I think, because that one has six or five of the six dots. Mm. And the opposite side has um, three dots. They add to 21, yeah. Yeah. So. And you don't have this issue if you're doing, um, like, online rolling. Yeah, I can do online rolling as well. I've done, when I played on Roll20, I've been able to use that somewhat successfully. Mainly, you help me make macros, and then I can use the macros. Mm-hmm. And I can also do the slash R, space, 1D20, whatever. Yeah. And then it just takes me a moment. I have to scroll back in the page to read it because, you know, I'm in the edit box and then I need to look back to where it rolls. Yeah. So it takes me a little bit of time, no matter how I'm using it. There's also, I know a lot of people that are visually impaired will just use, like, Google. You can, like, roll or Siri. You can yeah, I've, Siri I've, roll, used, so. I've used those things, too, where I'm like, I don't have a die nearby, but I want to roll. Yeah. to randomly do it. And also, um, I play in another game with another visually impaired person, and they, uh, shout out to Taryn, they uh, will be like, hey, Alexa, roll whatever dice they need. Yeah. So it's it's the same idea. Yep. Yeah, so I think a digital rolling is a thing that I could also write a Python code that would roll dice for me because I have the technology. You definitely could do that. <laughs> I've thought about doing it for like, if I ever played another wizard that was doing, like, a bunch of fireballs and stuff, mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm, I would just mm-hmm. do it. But anyway, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Um, so mainly I use my real dice if I'm in person and the roll 20 if I'm virtual. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I think that's kind of all the accommodations that I've been using for 5e. Yeah. So what are some challenges? We've kind of touched on this, but some challenges and or barriers you've encountered with TTRPGs. Yeah, so one of the main things is that PDFs are not usually made to be read by screen readers. There's an easy way to make them be read by screen readers, but you have to do it when you're creating the PDF, which I don't think that Watsy was, or and it's not just them, it's many RPG books that I've tried to read um, from PDFs are not accessible. So the main issue is when you get to tables, a lot of the text is there. But when you go to the table, it won't read that right, or it, like will skip around and you'll be confused. Mm-hmm. And it turns out in RPG books, there's a lot of tables because there's a lot of like, oh, you know, oh, just do this, roll a d6, and then here's six options. But now or I've got here's confused. what you get at each level in your class. Oh yeah, that one's a big important table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I was just I was also thinking like when you go through backgrounds and there's like oh there's ideals yeah. bonds flaws yeah. and here's all these these are all messed up yeah <laughs> yeah so that is a big issue and so that's why I've had trouble kind of getting into more RPGs than just five E because five E I already have all my stuff that I've made and it's like it's there I don't yeah. want to necessarily do that again. We did do a Savage Worlds game once. Like, we started to try to do one mm-hmm. in the undergrad, and the DM kind of flaked out after one half a session, whatever. It wasn't really one session. But your friend, Jerusalem, yeah. helped me um, make sure that all the, like, so I had the basic, like, player kit or whatever 
there's like a little player's handbook type of thing, but it's a lot shorter. Mm-hmm. And she helped me type out some of the things that got messed up in like the transaction from PDF to Word or TXT. All right. Oh, another big barrier. Mm-hmm. Because you know what the big thing is for getting new players into D&D and like making them see how easy it is to make a character? The D&D Beyond Character Builder? Yep. That's not accessible. So uh, I've heard that D&D Beyond character sheets are accessible, but not the character creator. So I can't make my own character sheet, but apparently if someone else makes me one, I could use it. But I'm like, well, I'll just use my own because screw that. I don't want <laughs> to use the thing someone else. I can be independent. Yeah, exactly. I don't need someone else to make it for me. I can make it myself, but D&D Beyond is, they say they're working on it, but who knows? Yeah. They been saying that for at least a year yeah so one last accommodation that i'm thinking of is also kind of a maybe a barrier Mm -hmm. as well is that you can have a dungeon master that doesn't describe the battle maps well Mm -hmm. so in fifth edition there's a lot of gameplay depends on the battle map like because the combat is very technical in fifth edition Mm-hmm. It's like the most planned out thing. And so a lot of people will pull out their maps with their square grids on them and they'll like put all the minis out and stuff. And it's fine. You can do that with a visually impaired player. You just need to make sure that you're describing things to them. And maybe not like every single turn. Like let's say that I take my turn and I go and I um, stab an elf. Mm-hmm. That's my turn. And then Quinn takes her turn. And she's like, well, I'm going to go and stab this orc over here that's not, like, it's like, I'm like 25 feet to your right and like five feet up. I'm like, I don't need all these details. Just go tell me you're going to go stab an orc that's not by me. And that's fine. I think, at least for me, this might be different for other vision impaired people because, again, I'm just speaking on my experience. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't, especially if you go right after me, like, things might change between now and my turn because if there's like five players okay lots happen before I get back to my turn I don't need to know every single detail just give me the highlights like yeah the highlight is I go stab this orc or I go stab this elf or whatever mm-hmm. or I shoot my bow at the elf yeah yeah I don't need to know all the details just give me the highlights yeah and you can also do theater of the mind without a map, and then we're all on the same page. So now we're all just doing it in our heads, and it's perfect because now I'm probably the best one remembering the map because I have to do it all the time. So I'm used to picturing things in my head, whereas other people are like, wait, where was I? Yeah. Usually what I do when I'm doing theater of the mind um, is I'll make a little sketch, like just yeah. a little brief tiny sketch of like the battlefield and kind of like where people are or whatever so that way i can keep track of when people say oh i'm shooting at this one that was over here so that way i can just like know this is for what i'm dming but yeah and i don't blame people that want to use maps and stuff they can be very helpful it's just if you have someone visually impaired at your table you need to also describe the scene a little bit more yeah all right beautiful great awesome do we need to make a quick character Oh, well, yes, but before we move on, I just wanted to quickly end on a little positive story. Oh, sure. So when we were at the airport back in June, I was waiting for Alex, and there was a mom and her son refilling their water bottles. Now, BWI, our local airport, 
the water bottle refill stations are really high up. So they are not accessible for people who use wheelchairs. And the mom commented on this to her son saying, this is not very accessible. People in wheelchairs can't use it. And he responded, but the people helping them get around can help them get water. And his mom immediately responded, yes, but even people with disabilities want to be independent. I was a bit far away from her, so I didn't say anything. But what she said is so important because everyone wants to be independent. And it's so important that we teach our children from a young age that, you know, don't discount accessibility. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yes, I can't drive, but I have bus systems. I have Lyft and Uber now. I have, you know, so many ways to get around. I can walk. Yeah. But, you know, that is like the biggest barrier, I think, for visually impaired people is the transportation transportation aspect. Everything else, we're going to probably be fine. Yeah. If you see someone... uh, Also, here's a a big pet peeve of mine. Mm -hmm. If you're going to be, like, if you want to be nice to a visually impaired person, either... Okay, first of all, ask them if they want your assistance because they'll say, no, I'm fine. Or they might, if they're like newly blind, they might say, yes, that'd be great. Anyway, but ask before you like just try to get, I'm going to tell a funny story quick. (laughs) This was kind of funny. Yeah. So I was on our college campus and some guy just like, as I was walking, I know, this is like my third or fourth year on campus, so I know my way around really well. This guy just took my, like, arm and started leading me to a building. And I was like, um, what? sir, what are you doing? Oh, did you know this story? No. He just, like, started, like, he leading just, me to a building. He just grabbed you and started going? Yeah. And I was like, uh, you don't know where I'm Quick going. Quick public service announcement. Don't randomly touch people. Yeah. Ever. Like, a, you don't know where I'm going. B, you're a stranger. Yeah. C. What the hell? Germs. <laughs> D, yeah. Okay, D, this what was, the hell? Yeah. This germs was, are know, still a thing. They were still a thing. They're just not COVID germs. Yes. Anyway, so that was my slight tangent. And then what was I saying? Oh, yeah. People can be independent. Yes. People can be independent. Let them be independent. I feel like I had another point. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, we're back. Okay. The other pet peeve. This is the pet peeve of mine. The mm. po- grab Random people grab me. That's not really a pet peeve. That's like a what the hell moment. It's not... Like, it hasn't happened enough that it's a pet peeve, but it was a peeve for sure. <laughs> um, but one that gets me is when people open a door for me, this is fine. But you should say, I've got the door for you. Or make some sort of verbal acknowledgement to me. Because otherwise, I'm, I expecting, am a blind to hit a, I'm expecting to hit a door. Yeah. And, like, I'll figure it out, but it's nice to know. Oh, there's a person here that's also opening the door. Yeah. So if you want to open the door for a person that is using a white cane, go ahead and just say, I got the door for you or something like that. And they might, if they're having a bad day or something, they might say, I can get it myself. (laughs) But probably they'll just say, thanks. Yeah. And move on with their life because they didn't need you to get that door for you. I, I also. But also it's not, it's like, it's nice to sometimes have someone open the door for you. Yeah. If they tell you. <laughs> yeah. My, my pet peeve with people opening doors is when you're really far away. Like, I'm still 40 <laughs> oh, feet that's away. that's hilarious. I'm, I bet that's the opposite of a pet peeve for me. I love that. And then I just go slower. 
And I'm just like, <laughs> I have the, I have the door for you. Like, no, and just go, re- just go on your off. day. I'm not here to inconvenience you. You continue with your life. It's okay. You know what the worst is when mm. you do try to be nice and open the door. Yeah. You open the door for like your friend behind you, and, oh, then, and then now like 30 there's thirty people. 30 people. This happened in college more because there's like you know so between classes so many yeah, people. So many people. But yeah, it's just. Anyway, this is uh, irrelevant now. <laughs> We've lost the plot. We've lost the plot. Okay. Yes. We'll we'll make a quick character. Quickie. So we've made some characters with physical slash visible disabilities. We should probably do an invisible one, right? Yeah. Do you want to quickly mention what an invisible disability would be? Yeah. So an invisible disability is when a person is just standing there, you wouldn't know they have a disability. So they don't have like a mobility aid, which a white cane is also a mobility aid, fun fact. Um, mm-hmm. Or like you don't see like a pro- like prosthesis or anything. Like this would be like something that's like mental or like they a chronic illness. They don't have a illness. peg leg, they don't have a hook for a hand, and they don't have an eye patch over their eye. Yes. Because they're not a pirate. They're not a pirate. Um, They could also be a pirate. They could also have an invisible one. So this would be like (laughs) you have anxiety or you have uh, like COPD or something. Yeah, PTSD. I mean, COPD might be a little bit more obvious because you might have like an oxygen tank, but. Dyslexia. Yeah, dyslexia. ADHD. All these sorts of things are invisible. Autism. Yeah. Just neurodivergence in general. Yeah, like those kinds of things. Even with me, because my eyes look okay. If I sit there and I don't have my cane, my can be invisible. It's just when I get up and walk around and whip a cane out, people are like, oh, no, I, wait, that guy's blind? Yeah. He's so sexy and handsome. I didn't expect him to also be blind. Can vouch for that. Like a physically felt that man. Yes, very attractive man. He's super attractive, and his wife is equally attractive. And it's just like, wow, how did this blind guy get such a hot wife? I don't even know, but he did. <laughs> All right. Um, let's maybe do anxiety. All right. So do we want to, like, randomly do a class? I'm. Uh, yeah, we're randomly doing okay, everything. Okay, we don't okay, have cool, time cool, cool. to pick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just give me what we got then. We got a male gender identity. Okay. Sorcerer. Ooh, good. One we haven't done as much. Vidalcan body type. Hold on, I didn't write sorcerer down. Oh, okay. All right. Vidalcan, did you got that? I did. All right, our ancestry features are savage attacker from the half-orc. Okay. Mental discipline from the gith, which gives you, like, advantage against being charmed and some other things. Okay. Naturally stealthy from the Lightfoot Halfling, which is the, I think you can hide behind people that are bigger than you, which we just had for Chaos, but I think it's funny. Or wait. No. No, Chaos didn't have this. Chaos didn't have it. I think someone before Chaos had this, though. Maybe it was our... small. Yeah, maybe it was our, uh, our super sniffer. It might have been. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. That's one of their, that's their third feature, and their fourth and final feature is... Hmm. Dark vision from their goblin ancestry. Loving it. Their ability score numbers are 14, 10, 
I love the energy you're bringing right now. 11, 17. That's a big one. Yeah. 13 and 11. That's All right, that roll. 17 is going in charisma. Oh, yeah, they're sorcerer. I was, I forgot, I was thinking Savage Attacker. I was like, don't we want that to be super strong? Because Savage Attacker is if you crit, you get an extra die. Yeah. I think, both, I think it's only with melee attacks. Mm. And we'll make them level one. Heck yeah. So you don't even have to pick a, oh no, we do have to we pick do. a sub. <laughs> ah, no. <laughs> um, we do have to pick a Sorcerer's or- Origin. Okay. Um, let's put plus one into this charisma and make it 18. Okay. And then... Uh, the suggestion for Sorcerer con. is Con. Yeah. Second. 14. And then we've got... It's 13 strength. I'm feeling it. All right. That are beefy, strong Sorcerer. All right. And then... Can we put the plus one in that? Yeah. All right. We Heck put yeah. a plus one in something else already, but we can put a plus one there too. We could do oh. three plus ones if we wanted. Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Wait, what's our rolls? Oh, we have two 11s also that we could make one of those a 12. What's our numbers? A 14, 13, 17, 11, 11, 10? Yeah. Okay. Then, yeah, I like three plus ones. Okay. And then... So 14 Do we want to make their decks a little bit higher? Int or wisdom? I don't know. Let's make their decks 10. Okay. Decks 10. Yeah. All right. They're kind of clumsy. Well, they're average clumsy. Yeah. All right. Wisdom or intelligence a little bit higher? Um... Vidal can pride themselves on like book learning, so wisdom. Okay. Because <laughs> we're gonna go against type. All right. Okay. So. And they're anxious. Wait, would an anxious person be less wise or more wise, or they're just a normal person? Uh, Wait, the thing, the one. thing with anxiety is more that it is you have, you know, you know it's not rational. You know it's not rational, but yeah. you can't stop it. Right. Also, so it's very people, frustrating. Also, people with anxiety. When it was a trick question because they're just normal people. Oh yes, that's it, the whole point. That is a trick question. Yes, yeah. it was a trick question. Of course, of course. Anyway, of course. let's do twelve wisdom, eleven int, fourteen con, ten dex, seventeen plus one yeah, for eighteen, 18 charisma, charisma and thirteen plus one to a fourteen for strength. Okay. Yeah. Um. So before we move on to like picking some stuff for them, I think that. I would like to implement like the D&D disability rules for stress, where when certain triggers occur, the player must make a stress check for their character, and if they fail the check, they'll get a stress point, and then there are certain effects for being at certain stress points. Okay. Like, for example, at three points, you have to subtract one from all ability checks and saving throws, and then is at this, five... Is this from D&D disability? Yeah. Okay. Excellent. And, and then at five stress points, which is the highest level, you have disadvantage on all ability checks and saving throws, and you have to subtract two from okay. all your rolls. And the stress is maybe doing something that they're a little bit afraid of, or I mean, right? What, so that's what kind the thing is trigger like, anxiety. Yeah, let's let's pick some triggers for them. So like, for me, one is like talking on the phone. Like I have to hype myself way up to talk on the phone. Even for this podcast, you need the outline. I, I need an outline because if I if I don't generally know what I want to say, I'll just blank and not be able to think of anything, <laughs> even though I've spent a lot of time thinking about it. So yeah. that's true. Like, that's that's one way that I use to help me limit my anxiety is having an outline. Okay, so we could do that in the sense of, like, having impromptu conversations would 
give a stress point. Okay. Like if okay, if you're gonna go into a tavern, you can kind of psych yourself up. You're like, all right, I'm gonna go to a bar. I'm gonna yeah. socialize. It's fine. Yeah, and another and you'll exam- be fine. But yeah. like if someone approaches you on the street and they're like, hey, can you help me out with this thing? And they they'll probably get a stress point of like, oh, what's this? person talking to me do i know them what's going on yeah. you know um like another one can be like you're in a giant crowd of people okay like you're in like a marketplace or, or something like press yeah and like you're overwhelmed mm-hmm. could be another example i think okay. let's give them like three yeah all right so that's two and the last one is um if they do something clumsy because they're self-conscious about their 10 decks okay let's actually can we i'm gonna make the decks eight I'm going to subtract Okay, two. sure. We can make it Because we rolled really well, so let's just take two points away. Okay. And they're anxious about doing something, like, clumsy. Okay. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Like, it's that thing in public when, like, oh, you, like, kind of trip and, like, look around real fast, see if anyone saw you. This the person assumes is... that everyone... Yeah. 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 He thinks that everyone saw that. Yes. But... Okay. Even if there's, like... There's one guy in the room and he's looking down at his a book or something, and this guy will think that he was seen. Yeah, and then also for D and D disability, they have um, rules for like how to remove the stress points, like stimming, taking a rest, or doing something that provides physical comfort. What was the first one? Stimming. Stimming, like, um, like like a like a fidget spinner, like doing a fidget or like oh, okay. rubbing something soft. Oh, stimulus. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, God, I didn't know what stimming was coming from. Now I got it. I okay. got there. Okay, and we made it. Like the their autism mechanics give more details about how to like implement the stress checks. Okay, and I'll I'll link to both of those as well. Excellent. Okay, so get, let's pick a name for this. Game. That's what I was gonna say. Let's go to like the Vidalkin name generator, fantasy name generator. Yeah, could be um Jace the Planeswalker. I believe he was a uh, Vidalkin, right? Magic the Gathering? He looked more human to me. Oh, maybe it's human. But I we don't could name read. him Jace if we wanted. <laughs> no, no, no. How we do should. we feel about Ravril? Go for it. Will I remember it beyond you saying Ravril? No. But I'm going with it. They can call him Ravi for short. They can call him Ravi for short. Okay. Um. Let's Now we need, I feel like, to pick an origin... A sorcerer's origin, so yes. that we could kind of shape the story around it, because the sorcerer's origins are—they're pretty important to like. Yeah, that the background, the backstory, not the background. Yes, though, we also need that. Look at that once we get a little story going. Okay, so just quick at first level, you can cast some spells, whatever. You get some spells. You get a ton of cantrips and a couple spells. You get your sorcerer's origin. And that's, those are the things you get. So, the nice. options are Aberrant Mind, Clockwork Which Soul. we did for our multi-class visa. Yes. Believe, so, we're going to skip that. Clockwork Soul. Yep. Draconic Bloodline, Divine Soul, Shadow Magic, Storm Sorcery, and Wild Magic. So, we just roll a die? We can. How many options are there? You know what I kind of think would be interesting? Yeah. There are seven options. Um, six if we take away the one we already did. Um, if we did wild magic and the chaos of his magic also 
could be a stress for him. Yeah. Because, like, one thing that, you know, usually affects people with anxiety is, like, feeling, like, out of control and that kind of stuff. Ah. And these out-of-control feelings are manifesting in a very real way. Did you guys see that fireball I just did on myself? Centered on myself. It hurt. It really hurt. Yes. Ravi, are you okay, bud? (laughs) No. I'm not okay. I just fireballed my freaking self, man. Did you see that? That was kind of awesome, but it hurt so badly, and I am so uncomfortable right now. All right, so I like the the wild magic for that. I think that's okay. Juicy, and, and that's from the player's handbook. And is. that one is kind of the I don't, I don't even know if there's really anything to go on besides there's something kind of wild about when you you have the ability to use magic, but sometimes it misfires. Yeah, yeah, and in very weird ways. And I think there's a a lot of places online that have like homebrewed extra wild surges because you know there's only the one table in the player's handbook so yeah people have made up many crazy things and then there you also get the feature that likes so like yeah as alex said you cast a spell of first level or higher and then you have to roll a d20 and if you roll at a 20 or a one it's one of those two, right? You roll a one. You have to roll in the wild magic surge table. And then... But there's also a feature you get. Tides of chaos, Yes. Right? Where you can give yourself advantage on an attack roll, ability check, or saving throw. And then once you do that, you have to finish long rest. And then... But if you... Anytime if, you would regain the, the feature, your DM can make you roll in the wild magic surge table. Yeah. And also they can just make you roll on it the next time you cast a spell. And then you get that feature back if once you roll on the Wild Magic Surge table, I believe. Yes. That's at least how my DM rolled it. Yeah. So. so. Also, I kind of like, so I'm a big fan of the Wild Magic. And here's my homebrew idea that I had. All right. Tell me your idea. Is when, like, I feel like if you're a Wild Magic Sorcerer. Mm-hmm. The more you're doing magic, the more likely you are to search. Like, it's not like, you know, because technically the way it is right now, every single spell you cast a level one or higher is the exact same likelihood to wild surge as every other spell. Do you do it based on the level of the spell or just how many times you've cast a spell that day? Neither. Okay. So what I do is whenever I cast a spell and I don't wild surge increase that DC. So the DC to not wild surge is two initially, right? If Mm -hmm. you roll a two or higher, you didn't wild surge. Yeah. If you cast a spell and you roll a a five, then now you haven't wild surge. So now the next time you cast a spell, the DC is two. Okay. So you would have to roll a three or higher to not surge. So I just like increase the ticker every time. So, and then once you surge, it goes back down to one. Oh, that is fun. I like that. We'll include that. Because then it's a little more, like, because if you're playing Wild Magic Sorcery, you want to get the surges. That's yeah, kind you, of the whole point. You wouldn't pick the chaos, like, subclass, subclass. <laughs> if you didn't want chaos. Like, if you don't want that to happen, you don't pick that one. Yeah. So, and again, we, we pitch it for flavor reasons, but I think that it makes sense. Yeah. Okay, here's my thought for Ravi's backstory. Okay. Um... I think Ravi 
this is kind of my like always my idea for wild magic sorcerer. So you go ahead and say no, Alex. We we can't do that. Okay. But I feel like he was a noble, mm-hmm. and then his family was like, "Ah, uh, you're kind of broken, so get out of here." That's kind of like the short version of it. But I've had darker versions, obviously, because it's yeah. me where he like accidentally killed his whole family. But we haven't made that character yet because it's too dark. Yeah. And other reasons. Actually, that character did have an invisible disability. But anyway. Mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. now they had mental illness, not necessarily a disability. I guess mental illness is. is a disability. So yes. they had a disability. Anyway, I don't think we have to do that. We don't have to do that. What's your idea? What is Ravi up okay, to? Okay, so maybe... He is in school because he's Badalkin, whatever. Yeah. And he's studying, and it's getting a little bit stressful for him. And then so many tests, so many they tests, have a pop all this quiz stuff. every other day. Yeah, and he is except not every other day because then it wouldn't be surprise. Yeah, I think he is studying magic. Mm-hmm. Like maybe his goal was to be like a wizard. Sure. But instead, he's what he's got ha- like four or five cantrips down pat, like. Yeah. He's actually doing pretty good. It's just once you start getting to the more complicated magic, he starts messing up. So then, like, what happens is he, like, maybe has, like, a panic attack or something, and, like, that triggers, like, his first, like, surge or whatever. Yeah. And then... um, I would like also... hmm. I'm cutting you off, but... If you get to, like, five stress points, that a wild search happens. Okay. I like that Yeah, because, like, they said that, like, because those were just kind of guidelines and, like, put it into your mechanics and however you want it. Right, because I feel like that would make sense. Like, his stress is kind of building and building, and the explosion at the end of the stress is literally sometimes an explosion. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, he's in class. He's freaking out. He's... The stress is building. Wild yeah. surge happens. Wild surge happens. First time. Yeah. And he's obviously very troubled by this. So he, I think maybe he goes to like a school counselor or whatever and is talking about it. And, and mm-hmm. they're like, okay, well, clearly you have like a different kind of magic. Yeah. Um, it's a little more natural, a little less uh, by the book, as they say. Yes. And they're like, maybe... You know, you would... Also, you're too buff to be a wizard, if we're being honest with you. Look at those rippling abs. Yeah. <laughs> and he also would struggle a bit with the other things, because his intelligence is only average. Yeah. Um, that, like, maybe you would benefit from, like, a different kind of education. Mm-hmm. So... Now, I feel like this is, like, the beginning of a trailer, like a movie trailer. <laughs> You just need a different kind of education. And then it's like, sorcerer school. Yeah. Coming this fall. Yeah. So maybe he then goes to, like, as you said, a sorcerer's school. I feel like sorcerers don't really have school because they're so chaotic. It's like it's like more of like a apprentice master situation. Right, yeah. Like maybe they're like, hey, go go talk to this sorcerer or whatever. And then... He, like, does that for a little bit, like, I don't know, a brief amount of time. And then mm-hmm. the sorcerer hooks him up with, like, a party, an adventuring party. <laughs> They're like, okay. I love the idea that, okay, I think it's Fiza. 
He goes and meets Fiza. Yes. And Fiza's like, oh, dude, I just got my knowledge from a book that I read randomly. Like, I don't really know. But you know what really helped me? Going oh, yeah, into venturing. Because the other thing is, she was... She was... I think, a, was it she or they? It was they. My okay. apologies. All right. They They were like a librarian at They a, were a librarian. At a wizard school. Yeah. Yeah, so this is perfect. And, and they also, went back to the school after. And That's they knew what we all said the canonically. People because yeah. they traveled so much learning yeah. all the different yeah. skills. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, so they go to FISA. That's like who this wizard school hooks them up with. It's yeah. like, you know who you need to talk to? FISA down in the library. Yeah, yeah. And then FISA's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really know what's going on with you because I didn't have this. I just read this weird book. Don't look at it. It'll break your mind. Yeah, um, but here, <laughs> let me let me like teach you some things. And yeah, I know a guy. He's getting a group together. It's, yeah, it's like the ranger that they trained with for a while. Yeah, and they like lead Ravi to this stranger, and then the ranger like, oh yeah, I know, I know, I there's a there's a group going through my woods recently. I'll hook you up with yeah. this party. And I then, got you. Yeah, yeah. They, they get into the adventuring party that way, and they're still really nervous about it. And yeah. They, like, yes, they have a lot of anxiety about it because they're like, I, am I good enough to be a sorcerer at an adventuring party? Yeah. Like, and then... Like, I, I don't know how any of this works, and it's out yeah. of control. Yeah. It also a little bit reminds me of that story. So, like, I know a guy, I know a guy, whatever, mm-hmm. in um, Ant-Man, where at the end when Luis is, like, telling him, like, oh, yeah, I heard about this thing from this person, from this person, yeah. from this person. Yeah. It was like that. That was the vibe yeah. I was yeah. getting. Cut, cut, cut. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. My cousin runs this ice cream shop, and he has this girl that works there, and her cousin knows a girl, guy. <laughs> And he like was mowing this guy's lawn, and he said and this. And he said that he saw Ant-Man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyways, this is great. I love this story. So then we're going to do, like, the scholar background or sage background. Whatever sage. Sage is what it is. Yeah, or – yeah, I think so. I think so. I was trying to think of any others that seemed to fit, not really any others fit. I feel like we do so many sages, but... We start with sages, and then we change it, I think. We sometimes do. We throw it around a lot, but we don't necessarily do it. But I think this person... I almost went no wall, but then I said, no, don't do the one you always try to do, Alex. Mix it up. And so we mixed it, and we matched it, and it's a mix Oh, their size, his size will be medium. And... We need to pick his other oh, yeah. Can he have, skills because he's uh, got Arcana and History. What he's got to have, like, a quarter staff also because I want him to smack some people with those big muscles and, get the, right. and have a chance to get the savage attacker. Quarter staff it is. Yeah. Anyway, yes, let's pick some quick skills and then we'll wrap this guy up. That's a big, beefy episode okay. for yeah. a part of Disabilities in July coming to you in August. 2022. Okay, um, we already have Arcana. So, two from Deception, Insight, Intimidation, Persuasion, and Religion. How do we have Arcana? Oh, from Sage. From Sage. Wait, one more again? Deception, Deception? Insight, Intimidation, Persuasion, Religion. (sighs) Intimidation. Look at these muscles. Look at these muscles, Gwen. What do you think? Sure. Persuasion? Is he convincing? No, I don't think he's great at talking to people. He's not great at talking to people. He, he might be insightful. I think though. insight might be more accurate. Yeah, kind to of the him. quiet. Yeah. Observing the situation. Okay. Okay, so 
I think that's yeah, that's it. We'll we'll choose his uh, spells and stuff later. Heck yeah. But yeah, so we've got Ravi who has anxiety. Well, that wasn't his full name, but I don't remember the full name at this Ravrel. point. There you go. Yeah. Ravi. Goes by Ravi. And he looks like a Vidalcan, and he's got the Savage Attacker from Half-Orc, Mental Discipline from Gith, Naturally Stealthy from Lightfoot Halfling, and Dark Vision from Goblin. So he can hide behind people that are a size category bigger than him. So he's like, God, I really need a Goliath or something in this group. I need a big, beefy boy. Yeah, we need someone huge so that my DM will allow me to hide behind them with this ability that I, this ancestral trait that I'm not going to (laughs) use. It happens, okay? I'm too tall. I'm too tall. I'm really big. (laughs) Um, Look at all my muscles. Yeah. And feel sorry for me. And he's a level one sorcerer, wild magic. And you said that for the surge roll that each time you don't surge, the DC or like the increases by one, basically. Yeah, the number you have to hit goes up by one, yeah. and then once you re- once you do surge, it resets. Yeah. To one. And then he his triggers for his stress are impromptu conversations, being in huge crowds, doing something clumsy, and any time his magic like does chaotic things. Right. It's kind of a vicious cycle then because also we said when his stress gets to five, he does do a wild surge. Yeah, but it doesn't go higher than five. Yeah, I know. But so, yeah. But it's like, oh, if, you do, are, if you're at four and you accidentally wild surge, then you go to five and you do wild surge again. Yeah. <laughs> Which is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Do you need to say anything else about Ravi or disabilities or anything like that no he's just a good good boy with anxiety i think we've we've said we said a lot of things we've we've said it all well we haven't said it all but we said a lot of things nope, to we've educate said it all. okay yeah. <laughs> that's all right that's what they say at the end of the round that fell whenever dan whenever they have a guest yeah he says thanks you've said it all okay thanks quinn you've said it all and there she goes <laughs> That. Sorry, that. Anyway, we've said a lot. Yes. And some might say it all. You can find more information about our show at a couple of characters podcast.com. Have ideas or feedback or need help creating your next character? Email us at a couple of characters pod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ACOC Podcast. We'd like to thank John Began for composing our theme music. If you like what we're doing, please rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. Yeah, five-star review will help out our show. You can also help out our show by telling a friend about our show. I said show so many times. (laughs) Yes, you did. But you can help us out and the show, 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 (laughs) the Alex and Quinn show called the Couple of Characters Podcast Show. Tell a friend about our show. (laughs) And have them tell a friend about their show. Have have them show a friend about our show. Another way to support us is by becoming a Patreon donor. Just search ACOC Podcast. You can support us by going to bookshop.org slash shop slash ACOC Podcast and any purchase that you make there will help out our show and a local bookstore of your choice. And if you want some audiobooks, which, you know, we're huge fans of, you can use our Libra.fm affiliate code to get a free audiobook when you purchase an audiobook subscription. And any purchase that you make there directly supports our show as well as independent bookstores. If you like actual play podcasts and 
Pokemon. Check out Dungeons and Dragon types where Quinn plays the trainer Willow. She oh, yeah. just had her first trainer battle. No, I had my first gym battle. That's what I meant. <laughs> tra- yeah, first trainer battle. They restarted. <laughs> Everyone's at level one. Yeah, first gym battle yes. in the last episode. But by the time this comes out, the second of the last episode. But anyway, recently. Yes. You can find me on Twitter at AlexNWinterland. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at NotADrQuinn. Thanks for listening. Keep on rolling. Quiet, and then as soon as Quinn says that, you're like, ah, I will. He's like, oh, mother is talking. I should talk to her. I will also begin the show. I will use my voice. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We're crushing it right now. Yeah, yeah, we are. Could you just sit still, sir? No, I've got to attack the couch. I smacked my face right on the pop filter. Take that. Delectable. Ooh. Wild. In that we said that. <laughs> Please cut that. That was ridiculous. <laughs>